Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. Think back just for a moment. Think back to a time before you ever knew death. Now, remember that moment in your life when death first visited you. Maybe you were at a bedside watching over a family member. Or maybe you received a phone call. It's something that marks you. I still remember the first time it happened with me. I had an aunt that I loved very, very much. And she died as a result of a car accident. And it's my earliest memory, true earliest memory of death. But just imagine for a moment, you're a young child. Your mother is your world. You've got a baby sister. And you've been brought home. Been brought home to that place that you've always known peace. You're nine years old. Your toys are there. Your room is there. Everything that defines you as a family is kind of in that environment. And the person that has just killed your mother makes you kneel before her body to bear witness to all that remains. Today on Body Bags, we're going to talk about one of the darker cases that I've come across. And we're going to talk about a mother who tried to make a family in a very fractured environment. LaVita Armstrong's attempt to leave her marriage ended in violence. Husband Gary Green stabbed his wife multiple times with two different knives. When Armstead was dead, Green grabbed his six-year-old stepdaughter, Jasmine Montgomery, and bound her hands together behind her back with duct tape. Montgomery then drowned the girl in the bathtub. 
Green showered in the same tub, dressed, and went to pick up his two stepsons from church. Back at the house, the older boy was stabbed in the stomach. The younger boy was able to talk Green out of killing them, but not before Green forced them to look at the dead bodies of their mother and little sister. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. Dave, we talk about death on the show. That's what we do. I hate to be so morose because of our relationship that we have. I know how much you love your mama. I love my mama. I've talked about having been the child of a single mother. And you look at your mother and she holds up the world that you live in. She is that foundation. She's your atlas, essentially. Potentially, in my case, the man in my family's life walked out the door. I can't imagine the depths of sorrow and horror. I can't imagine that, that the small child experienced uh, when he saw his mother and his little sister laying dead on that floor in that house and this, this monster standing right over his shoulder. It just makes you shudder to think of what people are, are capable of. Gary Green was married to LaVita Armstead. She has three children. Jerome Armstead is 12. Jared Armstead is nine. Jasmine Montgomery is six. And LaVita had decided it was time to annul the marriage. Based on what we know, there was more than just physical abuse, psychological abuse. And we know that Gary Green was not psychologically healthy. Not throwing that in there as an excuse for what took place, merely pointing it out to the level of hell that he put his wife, LaVita, and the children, Jerome, Jarrett, and Jasmine. On a daily basis, they had to be walking on eggshells, Joe. Yeah, I got to tell you, Gary Green, when you see this guy, the first term that comes to mind for me is ogre. He is a big, hulking mass. I mean, he is a big man. And you look at him and you think, how easy is it to to maybe intimidate for somebody like him, a grown man, how much more so this woman that he's entered into a marriage with that's he's supposed to be her protector, right? And then these babies, you think about them and how intimidating is this? Many of us have been on the receiving end of verbal abuse and physical abuse and that sort of thing over the years. And you see somebody, this hulking person that is able to do this, this life that they led. You're right to say this. I think that it was probably a hellish existence. Well, we know that there were two letters written by um, LaVita Armstead explaining to Gary Green why she wanted to do what she wanted to do with regard to her family and protecting everybody. And in those letters, she wrote, and I'm trying to, she said, I, she told him, I love you, but I have to do what's best for me. And hers was this tone of love, of caring about, he, she was caring about his feelings and how he thought. And he wrote a letter to her. And when you read it, it's not love, it's anger. It's a rambling expression that he believed Armstead and her children were involved in some kind of plot against him. He also laid out exactly what he planned to do to his wife, LaVita, and those three children. What he was going to do was end it all and then take his own life, Joe. Yeah, and one of the most dangerous times to be around someone that has this level of discord in their life, has this potential 
for anger. And you hear this a lot. You know, I've worked a lot of suicides over the course of my career, and you begin to kind of develop a kind of a standard profile when it comes to this. There's one thing for somebody to maybe think about what the world would be like without them. Then you've got another level where they might make a comment, well, I'm just going to take my life. Then you've got this kind of third phase that they go into where now they have planned. In a case like this where you've got a planned, or at least it's it's intimated that there is a, a plan in place for a murder-suicide, and they begin to specifically explain how they're going to go about doing this, that means that in the front end of their mind, they're actually formulating that. And that's when it gets dangerous. And this is what psychiatrists and psychologists actually refer to as suicidal ideation and homicidal ideation. And you add this other component to it that's called vocalization. You can kind of understand what that means. So not only are you thinking it, now you're saying it, this intimidating thing. And little kids like this, I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, I didn't think about the end of things. Everything seemed like it was going to go on forever and ever. You know, now that I've gotten a little bit longer in the tooth in my life, you know that there is a, a terminus that's approaching all of us. You don't think that way when you're a little kid. And so if he ever threatened these kids with that, it may have been more abstract. They may have just thought, well, he's going to hurt us. You know, he's going to hit us or he's going to yell at us again, or maybe he's going to hurt mama again. But at the end of the day, it wasn't this monster that killed himself, but he rained hell down on this family and brought two lives to an end. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible. It's Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. 
By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. A combination of sharp force injuries, which means any injury that is generated with an edged weapon. We think about knives, meat cleavers, axes, a machete. If it has an edge on it, that can generate a sharp force injury. It could be your grandpa's pocket knife that's been passed down for generations. I've had homicides committed with pocket knives. But you've got a combination of that. And Dave, in this particular case, we've also got the added element of homicidal drowning. That's something that that you don't commonly come across because it requires so much exertion. It requires so much effort on the part of the perpetrator. And like I said, this guy's so big. And when you're talking about kids, when you're talking about, say, a woman that might be physically weaker than him, it can be pulled off, but it's not going to be pulled off without some kind of fight. I want to point a couple things out very quickly here. One, LaVita and Green had not been married very long. It had only been a matter of months. And that's why the term annulment is used. It's not thrown around in a silly way. It is an annulment, meaning that married long enough to do the divorce. She had already seen enough in a very short period of time that she wanted it over for the safety of herself, but her children more than anything else. Also, when the act took place, the boys were at church and Levita and Jasmine were at home with Green. Then he goes to the church and picks up the boys and brings them back, Joe. I mean, what kind of person? Yeah, and that's one of the things that you begin to think about. It's one thing when you have, and I've worked these cases where you'll have sharp force injuries, for instance, and the person comes running out of the home and there's some kind of fevered mental state and they're screaming and they're blood covered. That's not what happened here, Dave. This is kind of cool and calculated, isn't it? And that adds a level because LaVita has sustained multiple stab wounds. The number is astronomical. In addition to that, there is water involved. So you've got blood and water because these victims, the little girl in particular, has been drowned, Jasmine. So you've got blood that is potentially covering this fellow. And then you've got bathwater that has splashed all over him. He would be covered from head to toe. So from an evidentiary standpoint, when you begin to think, if he has calculated this out in his brain where he wants to pull this thing off and perpetrate it, well, he's got 
the mama and her daughter separated from the two boys, right? So he's not going to have to deal with a larger group of people. The boys are at church. During that period of time, he has taken this opportunity to perpetrate this horrible crime on Levita and, in addition to that, Jasmine. Well, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So what does he have to do before he goes and picks up these boys? Can we back up a minute, Joe? Because I'm all right. We know that he's got two and he has to control the entire situation. Six year olds are fast. Six year old girls are really fast. And I was looking at this, trying to figure out how did he do this? How was he able to be this? He didn't have LaVita tied down in the bed and just start stabbing away. They were in a fight. And I wondered the whole time what was going on with Jasmine, that Jasmine had duct tape. Her hands were duct tape behind her back. We know he's brandishing the weapon and threatening. I'm wondering if he made Jasmine witness what he was doing to her mother. Because what he did to her mother was multiple. St- I don't know how many times and I wondered. They were in this fight because LaVita actually was able to stab Gary Green twice during their fight. He broke a knife on her and had to get another one. This was not some... I've already got her down and I'm stabbing. This was a fight. Yes, yeah, it's not some kind of stealthy attack. And that, that goes through the viciousness of it. LaVita was trying to save not just her life, but think about it. She knows her daughter is over here and she knows the boys. At some point, they're going to come home. Now, we know that he had to have killed LaVita first based on this. Yeah, he would have had to. He would have attacked her. I don't know if the little girl may have been in another room when all of this initiated. But he, here's the thing. We know that he killed her, the mother, Levita. And did he actually make Jasmine sit there through this event and bear witness to what he was doing to the mother? Perhaps. But as you rightly stated, we've got multiple edged weapons that are involved in this where he's been stabbed. So he's leaking blood. And then you take that and you compare it to the injuries that LaVita has sustained. And I'll look, man, I'll go ahead. What I'm going to tell you is that this number I'm about to tell you is going to be shocking. LaVita was stabbed 30 times, Dave. 30. Just let that sink in. And anybody in the sound of my voice, think about what it would take to hold a knife and almost like a sewing machine, an old-fashioned sewing machine, drop that knife 30 times into somebody, the will that it takes to do that. Because, you know, you're passing through multiple layers of tissue when you're doing this. And so she's been injured grievously. And the one thing that we know about stab wounds is that they generate a tremendous amount of blood. Copious, we use that term quite a bit when you go onto a a scene where there has been a stab, a stabbing event, those scenes are the bloodiest. And I think that a lot of it has to do with you're compromising the structural integrity of the circulatory system. And so you're opening up these large gaping injuries, and they're not all going to be the same because some of these can be what are referred to as classic stab wounds, while others will be referred to as incised wounds. For instance, like our teeth, the, our frontal teeth are referred to as incisors, and it, it, it goes back to an original definition of bladed, so or edged. So they're used for cutting. And so incised wound means that if you incise an area, just like surgery, that means you're taking 
the edge of the weapon and drawing it across the skin. So it's always the rule of thumb for us is that incised wounds are longer than deep and then uh, stab wounds are deeper than long. And so you're going to go deeper into the tissue with a stab wound, say if you stab someone in the chest and withdraw the knife. Now, you may or may not hit a major organ. That's possible. But you are going to hit some kind of vessel structure that's in there, whether it's an artery or a vein. Maybe sometimes you'll clip both of them along the way, along the track, because stab wounds have tracks just like bullets have tracks. So you're going to damage that tissue in there. And the scene would just be covered in blood. And that's what's so fascinating, that after he had perpetrated this crime, if this child is restrained or if he restrained her in order to get her to the bathtub, he would have just been covered in her mother's blood. So not only does she is she disoriented because there would have been a lot of screaming, there would have been a lot of banging, there would have been a lot of carrying on. Her terror level is rising. Now she's got duct tape over her mouth and she's already shallow breathing already. The only way she can breathe is through her nose. He doesn't want her to scream. And she's borne witness to this and he is just covered in blood. So he grabs her and when he does, he's got water in the bathtub and he begins to submerge Jasmine. And the last thing that she has seen, Dave, is this image for her of her mother splayed out in that house with blood, you can just imagine maybe the last words coming out of her mouth is, don't hurt my baby. Maybe she calls out her name, Jasmine, because mom has no idea what is going to happen. She doesn't live to tell the tale. And she knows in her mind, trust me, mamas know where their kids are. She knows that her babies, her other two babies are at church. She's thinking, what's he going to do? No wonder she fought like a tiger in the midst of this because she knew this horrible event was taking place. And she is that last line of defense, Dave. If he even attempted to wash his hands off in any way when he's grabbing Jasmine, which I I doubt that he would have. And even though she would have been in the bathtub, there's still going to be transfer of her own mother's blood to her body in some way. That's the thing about death. Everywhere death is present, there will be a trace left behind. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible. It's Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. Swim up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com. One of the most horrific aspects to this family being completely destroyed is that when the forensic pathologist, Dr. Meredith Lawn, was examining Jasmine's body at autopsy, she made note of the fact that she saw that Jasmine's ankles, Jasmine's wrist were bound with duct tape. Imagine that, if you will. You're six years old and you're restrained to the point where you, you can't move in kind of this this little final note, she looks at Jasmine's little cheek on the left side, and there is adhesive that has been left behind by duct tape. We can appreciate this because lots of us have used duct tape over the years. You know that when you peel it back, there is that residue that remains. And she probably would have seen some blood. That is Lovita's blood. The blood of this child's mother would have been on the body in some form, maybe minute, but it would have been there. As she's conducting this examination, she's taking a look at Jasmine and her broken little body there, and she's noting that there are petechiae. Little blood vessels have burst in her eyes and overlying the thymus, which is a, an organ that is situated beneath the breastbone in the body. And as we get older, it, it kind of it decreases in size. But in a little child like Jasmine very diminutive, six years old, when her little chest would have been opened up at autopsy, that thymus would have been very visible. And it was covered with petechiae as well. There were petechiae all over the lungs, Dave, over the epiglottis, which is that flap that kind of covers the windpipe, if you will. They were everywhere. And that means that this child struggled, Dave, in the wake of what had just happened. Joe, I'm looking at both of these, the victims here with Levita and Jasmine. Now, we have Levita stabbed 30 times. Now, did that number come from Gary Green saying, I stabbed her 30 times? Were they counted? And then the second part here, when it comes to Jasmine, asphyxiated and drowned. All right. So how do we know? How do, is it possible for somebody to be stabbed 30 times in the case of Levita and not one of those stab wounds actually be fatal? And how is it possible to determine was Jasmine asphyxiated or drowned or was it a combination of both? It's an excellent question. And I'm so glad you asked that because it's confusing because this is a layered case. I know I always fall back to gunshot wounds. There's a simplicity in gunshot wounds. Okay. Some people would argue that uh, Morgan, you're out of your mind, but there's a simplicity to gunshot wounds. But when you look at just stab wounds alone, or let's say sharp force injury wounds, there is a, a real complicating factor. Every time you 
stab someone, there's no guarantee you're going to strike a critical area. You can pass a knife through interstitial tissue that is just maybe subcute fat. You'll have these superficial wounds in the arms, in the hands, maybe lateral chest, maybe even the neck that are not necessarily fatal. But you've got this combination of all these. And the trick is when you're examining at autopsy, the body of someone that has been stabbed, first off, you have to clean the body very, very thoroughly externally. You document it in its pristine state where you have blood-crusted clothing. You've got these injuries that are crusted with blood, but you're not truly going to be able to appreciate the injuries. So you have to clean it very, very thoroughly and then go back one by one and try to count the number of wounds, and you have to orient them anatomically. You have to state there's a stab wound to the apex of the left shoulder, or there is a stab wound that's more medial than it is lateral relative to the left shoulder blade, and you have to do anatomical measurements. That's all of the external stuff. And then one of the other things that you're going to be looking for as you begin to get into the dissection is do any of these stab wounds or let me say it this way, how many of these stab wounds actually have hemorrhage? Because I know a lot of folks are probably thinking, well, every stab wound would have hemorrhage. No, it wouldn't. Because if stab wounds have occurred post-mortem, you're not going to have hemorrhage in those areas. So it's important to try to determine where the most hemorrhage is and what organ systems are affected. I mean, if you've got a stab wound that's going into the lung, for instance, there's a high probability that that's going to be lethal. If you've got multiple of them, that probability increases the heart, the neck, any of the vessels in the neck, that sort of thing. And there'll be a lot of bruising associated with, with this too, because, you know, this, when you stab someone, this is not just merely an action that is solely involving that edged weapon passing through the tissue. It involves a kind of a, a slamming down or an insertion, a forceful insertion of this blade. So if the person is still alive, you can get what are referred to as hilt bruises uh, that surround actually the incised area where that area around the injury itself has hemorrhage. This is one-on-one combat, let's face it, Dave. You'll have bruises all over the body many times because people are being punched and pummeled and kicked in addition to being stabbed. So it's a, they're very, very complex, these stab wound cases. Are they not overlapping? I mean, are they not interconnected? Like I'm just picturing if you're stabbing that there's going to be an, a general area where the stab wounds are going to be. Yeah, I'm just kind of picturing a circle and just these whole stab because it's all happening so fast. And I'm thinking, aren't some of these going to blur together or one ends here, the other one starts here, but then they intersect here. And how do you separate? Because that's the goal here at autopsy is to figure out exactly what happened. But how long would it take if you if none of the actual stab wounds in and of themselves is fatal? How long does it take for somebody to bleed to death? Well, again, that's dependent upon which vessels are clipped. And many times, and this is one part that's really horrific, many times you can have multiple stab wounds and you're not going to be bleeding externally. Imagine that. Guess where the blood is going? And particularly if you have stab wounds to the chest, well, it's filling the chest. I've participated in an autopsy before, man, where we've had individuals that have been stabbed in the heart and the lungs and they lived, but the entire time they're living, it's not much, much of a life. They're bleeding out internally. So there is this 
pressure that is building in what's referred to as the pleural spaces around the lungs. And the lungs are essentially their ability to expand is being compromised greatly, not to mention there's probably a stab wound to one of them. So it's even further complicated by that. And all the while, the chest cavity is filling up with blood. That's one of the reasons when people are shot in the chest and stabbed, when they get them to the emergency room, there will be a little incision that is made in between the ribs, and there will be a drain that is inserted in there. And what are they doing? Well, they're draining blood out of the chest because you've got what's referred to as pleural effusion. And it literally begins, you know, people say it drowns the lungs. It's really a pressure event that's complicating the lungs' ability to expand and refill with air. So they have to relieve that pressure and to get them into surgery so they can close that area. And this is how complicated it is if you want the person to survive. You've also got to hang units of blood on them because they've lost blood. It's a real race against the clock in this particular case. We know that Levita is stabbed 30 times or more. She's bleeding out. She's dying. And Gary Green then moves on to his stepdaughter, six-year-old Jasmine. And we know based on duct tape with her hands behind her back, we know this. We also know, as we mentioned earlier, asphyxiated and drowned. And my question really, I don't know how far to go with this, but I'm thinking, do you, was he trying to strangle her first? Was he trying, you know, putting his hands on around her neck and then sticking her underwater or was it simultaneous? And can you figure that out? Yeah, you can figure it out. I know one thing that kind of popped to mind for me when I was reading the the physician's autopsy report. The cause of death is actually going to be hypoxia, which is a lack of oxygen. And you can create that event in two, one of two ways. You can either be drowned. There's other ways, but in this case, there's one of two ways. You can either drown or you can inhibit their ability to breathe outside of water. You can cover their, their airway. You can compress their neck, maybe with your hands or a ligature. So I think that you've got this going on both levels. However, she was producing, and this is noted by the physician that's doing the examination, she's producing this kind of pink froth that's coming from her nose and her mouth. And many times we see that associated with drowning. And you see it with drug ODs too, but you'll get this, uh, we call it a frothy edematous cone that's coming out of the mouth and it'll rise up. And it's really kind of this strange event that occurs. I've, I've been present, I started my career in New Orleans, so I had a lot of water-related deaths, drownings. And when you pull the body out of the water many times, all of a sudden, when you're laying the deceased on their back, this cone begins to appear out of their nose and their mouth and it's bubbling. People will think about the head of a poorly poured beer. They show it on television, you know, where you have beer and it's this glorious thing. They say, you know, you don't want this gigantic head of, of white froth on the beer. It's like that only in the case of a drowning victim. And in some poisonings and some ODs, it'll be pink tinged. And that's that hemorrhagic event that's going on in the lungs. The lungs are screaming. They're crying out for air. And it's just, it's not on the way. So this thing presents as well. And she, she makes note of that. The physician does. In addition to the petechiae. And the petechiae are those little blood vessels that are bursting. And many times this is happening as a result of just the strain 
of this lack of oxygenation. You're struggling for air. In some way, the airway is being compromised. Now, you see it a lot in strangulations where you have these little pinprick hemorrhages that are taking place in the eyes. It's one of the things that we'd look for in, in cases of strangulation. And you'll see those presenting. And it's quite striking when you observe them and you make note of it. You know that there's something has gone on uh, relative to the airway being compromised. According to the autopsy report, on Jasmine, she had a hemorrhage on her brain. And I'm trying to figure out how that could happen in the bathtub, uh, assuming that's where she died, assuming that he put her in the tub and was trying to drown her and choke her, what asphyxiator. How does she end up with a hemorrhage on her brain? Well, there's a fight that's going on. She's got little scrapes and, and scratches that are covering her body. Oh, and by the way, in addition to the duct tape, there was a telephone cord that had been tied in a knot around her ankles as well. I forgot to mention that. That actually matters when you think about it. It wasn't why she didn't run. It's because she was tied up. Her her legs were tied up, so she couldn't run. No, she couldn't. There, there's no way. And why you would have to restrain a six-year-old to that point, you've got her contained in this specific area. He has destroyed LaVita. He has destroyed Jasmine. He actually takes a shower where he killed Jasmine in that same shower tub. He washes himself off, gets dressed, and goes to church, picks up the boys, and comes home. Now, to give you an idea, when they walk in the house, Levita is in the bedroom with the, you know how a master bedroom has a master bath. Well, that's where the murder of Levita and Jasmine took place, was in the master bathroom, master bedroom. And that door is locked. When Gary Green left, he locked that door. So when the boys come home, they are told that the, their mother wanted them to take them someplace else. He tells tells Jerome, go take a bath or shower. And so he goes in there. They don't know that Levita and Jasmine are dead at this moment. And so Jerome goes to the, the bath and to shower, and he hears screaming coming from outside. He gets out of the tub, and that's when he finds out uh, that Jarrett has been stabbed, and Gary Green's holding a knife to his throat and threatening both boys saying, you know, he's going to kill them both. These two boys, 9 and 12 years old, are able to convince this monster who has just killed his wife and his stepdaughter. These little boys are able to convince him to spare their lives. Don't kill us. We're too young to die. Yeah, too young to die. What kind of fortitude does that take in that moment? What level of bravery? And I should mention that he actually... The boys don't know what has happened to their mom and sister at that point, and we're too young to die. Gary says, okay, you're not going to die today. By the way, I need you to go back here to your mother's room. He unlocks the door, opens it up, and that's when the boys see their mom and their sister. They see mom in the bedroom. They see the sister on the floor of the bathroom, and that's when they see the devastation. They testified to this at trial. The destruction of this precious family actually took place in September 2009. And it's been since that time that Gary Green has roughly been incarcerated and has been sitting on death row in Huntsville, Texas. That is until March 7th, 2023, when Gary Green died by lethal ejection at 7.07 p.m. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe for being our partner.